think we could all testify, those who know Jesus Christ, about His goodness and His mercy and just how He's changed us. Such a good picture this morning, too, of the idea, the concept of the hat of when the grace of God comes upon your life and the life of Jesus fills you, how we pass that on, who we just don't keep it and we pass it on. And that's really the focus this morning is leading others in the way of Jesus, understanding what it means to pass along what it is that Jesus has done in our, in our own lives. So we, we want to take some time to, to look at that this morning. I failed to mention earlier that if you're a guest with us, we want to extend just a, a special welcome to you. Thanks for taking time on a Sunday morning to, to be with us. And uh, there's a Connect card in the seat that's in front of you. If you would, be sure to fill that out. If you would just do us a favor, complete that. And then we have a, a get, uh, guest services desk out in the lobby area, and we have a gift that we'd love to pass along. So just again, thanks for, thanks for being with us and uh, sharing part of your, part of your Sunday. So this idea of leading others in the way of Jesus, um, when we recognize that Jesus Christ, when we, we are drawn to God and we recognize that He is Lord, we have this moment where we, we just say, wow, I want to become a follower of Christ. We sometimes use different terminology for that within the church, uh, committing our life to Christ, or I, I was saved on this day. That's kind of what we're saying is, I made that decision that Jesus Christ was actually resurrected from the dead, and He is God's Son. He, he is who He says He is, and the statements that He made in Scripture are true. And so that point where we say, I'm saved, or I, I became saved, or I made a decision, I became a Christian, those kind of all lumped into this idea of, I made that choice to say that I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be a follower of His and so in that moment, that change happens instantly. There's an instant part of our discipleship that happens immediately, and that is what happens inside of you when you become a Christian is it says God gives you a new spirit. You no longer live under the spirit of man, and just by whatever your, your again, Scripture describes as your flesh, your appetites, desires, whatever that leads you into that's not how you just live life. It's just whatever your appetites are. Now, all of a sudden, it says you have the Spirit of God. You have the Word of God. You, you have uh, the fullness of God living in you. And so, you're able to follow Him. You're a new creation, actually, is the way it describes it. You're no longer just the same person that is flesh only. It says you're born now of the Spirit of God. And so, you're not just flesh. You're flesh and you're born of the Spirit as well. So you are a new creation in that sense. So there's this instantaneous part where we are made new. And so there's this experience of redemption that happens immediately that now that which was dead is now made alive in Christ. And so what, a, what an amazing thing that God does right at that moment. And that's one of the reasons Scripture says when, when that happens, angels rejoice. I mean, all of heaven, it just there's an uproar of worship that when one person says yes to Jesus Christ, they, they recognize that a creature made in God's image has passed from death and into life, has passed from just being flesh to now being spirit and flesh and being fully alive in God and in His image. And, and there's another part, though, that we experience. We experience the incident change, but we also begin a process of change that it happens over time. We grow into a more spiritually mature adult through this process that we, again, in the church, the word we use is discipleship. 
discipleship. Sound familiar? Discipleship, right? And, and we, we hear it a lot, and it, it, sometimes it's used outside of the church, but very common within the church, this, this idea of discipleship. And it's that process where we are in that, in that pattern or that following after the way of Jesus. That now that we've entered into a relationship with Jesus and we've been transformed, we now have this process where we're following along what, with, with what he did and what he said. Many times when you talk about discipleship, and, and uh, it, especially in the church context, what comes to mind is books. <laughs> I, I learn, I'm learning, like learning, I'm studying, and I'm discipling, so I'm reading, reading a lot of material. Or a small group, or Sunday church attendance, or I'm serving somewhere. And all of those can be part of a discipleship experience. And, and they likely are or should be part of a discipleship experience. But that's not necessarily discipleship. You can serve without actually discipling towards Jesus. You can come to church without actually discipling towards Jesus. Uh, you, can, you can be engaged in different Christian activities, attend a small group, and not really be discipling towards Jesus. Those can be things that you participate in without actually following deeper into a relationship with Christ. So at its core, discipleship is this concept or this idea of following and bringing understanding. So there is an element that we're learning, but it's really out of this following process, just where Jesus leads you, where you are, you are taught. If you think about Jesus and the calling of his 12 disciples, there was, there was a lot of rabbis at that time, number of rabbis. So to when we see disciples, we tend to think of the 12 that were just following Jesus. But there were many teachers who had disciples at that time. In modern time, it might be something like, if you think about a famous preacher within our, uh, within our culture, maybe Matt Chandler is one, uh, Louis Giglio is, is another, Stephen Furtick. I mean, maybe you've heard of some of these names, different ones where they, they have we would say it a little bit differently in the Christian faith, and I'll get there in just a moment, but they have disciples. They have people who follow them while they teach. So they're, they're a disciple of Jesus, but they're actually kind of disciples of Stephen Furtick because they follow his, along with his teaching. And so if we think about Jesus, when he called the twelve, part of his disciples were actually, in, in fact, two of the first ones were disciples of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had disciples. And he was teaching them, and, and they, were, they were kind of following around, listening to him. And then when Jesus came on the scene, they saw Jesus, and then they started following Jesus. So John lost his disciples, Jesus gained them. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, people were worried for John, the, the people around him. John, what, listen, they're going after him. And John says, no, 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 listen, he's, he's the one. <laughs> I must decrease, he must increase, Right? John wasn't worried about it. John the Baptist understood what his role was, wasn't to gather more disciples and have them come along. When Jesus came on the scene, they said, you know, John said, no, he is the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So his disciples uh, went after him. In fact, one of John's disciples was Andrew, and he started following Jesus. And Andrew invited his brother, who is Simon, who we now refer to as Peter, right? So, we see their family connection there. 
Uh, Andrew was following John the Baptist, sees Jesus, begins following him, then goes, tells his brother, hey, let, let's follow Jesus. This is, this is the, real, the real guy. So the experience for Jesus and the disciples there at that time was such a different experience, of course. You look at the way that they lived life, and they, they spent these years together just constantly. I mean, they're living together. They're going through. They're, they're eating. They're traveling together. They're experiencing all of, of life together. But it's in this immersive learning experience, and, and sometimes we look at, wow, look at these disciples who then launched the church. They were the beginning for the church, these, these first uh, 11 disciples, because remember Judas betrayed Jesus and then uh, died by suicide. And so there was just the 11 as they got started, and uh, they replaced Judas through the casting of lots. But, but again, you kind of look at them and go, wow, that's such a short time, only a couple years. Can you imagine starting the church out of just a couple years? But, but think about the immersive discipleship experience they had living with Jesus. Every day, being with Him, listening to His teachings over and over, we, we get a little snippet of Jesus' teachings in the Gospels. In fact, it tells us that. It says, if we were to write down everything Jesus did and said, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it. So we just get snapshots of what that experience was like. But the disciples, they're immersed in it, watching what He did, hearing His thoughts and ideas about the kingdom of God, watching the power of God work miracles through Him. How did he deal with confrontation? What a great learning experience for them to watch as he deals with confrontation, both from those outside of his following, but even within the group of the 12 and, and other followers, they were fighting with one another, right? Who's going to be the greatest? You know, I'm going to take the spot. Once Jesus is gone, I'm going to be the leader of this group. So conflicts that they had with one another, they got to watch Jesus and listen to him deal with all these things from a very kingdom of God perspective, a very kingdom of God mindset. Perfect as he listened to the Father and he dealt, dealt with these things. So this is Jesus who's leading that, but then he, as he's finishing his ministry on earth, he turns to his disciples and he says, now you go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and I'm with you always. So baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. I'm with you always. And then he, he ascends. And so we're going to focus in on that great commission, as it's referred to this morning. And what is it really asking us to do? What is it that we're called to do? And let me just kind of parenthetically state, the reason this, is, this message fits here, so we're going to have this Sunday, we'll have IJM, and then we'll come back together. Those of you who are able to be here in a couple weeks, we'll come back together around the Word. And we're going to spend the next, actually through most of this coming year, probably close to seven months, looking at what does it mean to really disciple and what does that look like for us individually, but also as a church family? How do we, what does it look like to transition from an infant in Christ up to a mature follower of Jesus Christ? And good question when we were in prayer this morning, had a great question. Somebody said, so clearly, if you want to spend this much time on it, you feel like it's important. You know, this is going to be an important thing for us as a congregation. 
And they said, absolutely it is. Because it's not just important for us as a congregation. This is probably the crisis. I would just say the crisis of the church right now is that we are struggling to disciple people along in the way of Christ and bring both ourselves to grow into spiritually mature adults, but also bring along others who can also then follow us as we follow Christ. And so when we look out and say, what's happening in the church today? What's one of the biggest challenges we have? It's reproducing our life, being the type of people who are not just experiencing the life of God, but reproducing the life of God out from us. And so we want to spend time, an extended period of time over the the coming uh, weeks and months of looking at how can we do that? Because most people I know, it's not that they don't want to do it. They just say, how do I do that? What does that look like? What, what's, what steps do I need to take in order for that to happen? So let's pray as we come to Matthew 28. We'll read the Great Commission that I just kind of butchered a little bit ago and, and uh, work my way through. We'll read it through, from the text directly. Lord, thank you for your word. May it come alive in us. Father, with all things, you never come at us to condemn us, but you come to free us and to bring us life. And so, Lord, as we spend time in, in this passage of Scripture this morning, Father, may you just release all shame. May you release uh, any sense of uh, that, that we're failing you, that you're disappointed in us. But, Lord, would you come alongside of us and encourage us, make your word come alive in us, that we would see the hope of being reproducing Christians, that we'd be the hope of being discipling Christians, God. And for those of us who haven't yet started, if there's any who have not started or walk with you or really moved forward in their discipleship with you, God, that this would encourage them, inspire them to go farther with you, to go and, and grow up more in you. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, we invite it. We invite you. We invite your Holy Spirit to change us in this time. Amen. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. And again, I set the scenario. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He's preparing to ascend to, to heaven. And so he gives them these words as to what they're supposed to do. So keep in mind, again, before we read this, that Jesus was a rabbi teacher who had disciples. So we don't have this mindset already that there's a church and discipleship is classes, discipleship is books, discipleship is, you know, attending and doing all these things. We have discipleship from the disciples' minds is followership, okay? And so, with that mindset, Jesus speaks to his 11 disciples. Verse 16 says, Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this this invites uh, a few observations that I'm going to just kind of delve into. And I know, as always, the Holy Spirit is so faithful to bring up other things to you just that you can personally address it in in your life. So he begins with this, his own authority that it extends over heaven and earth. So just just a word of encouragement. and, And that was kind of part of my prayer was, 
listen, we, we feel like sometimes this disciple-making process is on us. And we say, well, I just, I just struggle sometimes to convey my faith, or I just don't know that I know enough to, to share all that I should about my faith, or I'm just not really an outgoing person, or I, I get intimidated by whatever it may be that you feel like is, is holding back. Listen, Jesus begins this passage, and, and, and Matthew records it specifically with, with this understanding that Jesus is saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And so what I'm about to ask you to do by making disciples, it doesn't stem from you. It doesn't derive out of your capability and your own authority and your own power and who you are. It, it certainly is a, an expression of who you are. It's not that God wants you to, to, to just be a blank slate and there's nothing about your personhood that He wants engaged in helping others to know Him. But he says, listen, it doesn't come out of all of your gifting and all of who you are is not how you're going to help others in the way of Christ. He begins just by saying, all authority that is in heaven above or on earth below has been given to me, Jesus says. He says, so now, and, and he may have even extended his hand. I don't know what gesture he would have used, but just speaking it out. So now, with that same authority, I commission you. I, I give you directive. I give you some, some instructions that I want you to carry out is to go and make disciples. So can we just put that you know, front and center for all of us? Listen, some, some of you have, have talked to me. I've few people just over the years I've pastored, they've said, how do you do that? How do you get up on a platform and have a message? And boy, that just, you know, how... You know, that, that's one particular gifting. But you know what? I, I can't lead a person to Christ in, in myself. You can't lead a person into relationship with Jesus of yourself. No one comes to the Father except that the Father draws him, right? Everyone comes to the Father through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will lead you. The Holy Spirit will prompt that individual. I remember in my own experience of coming to Christ, it was just, one thing after another, and Christian music that I started hearing, and it, it just the message in it was so inviting to me. Listen, you, you got to imagine, you got to know that when I'm when I'm 16 years old in high school, Christian music wasn't that cool. I'm sorry if that offends you at all, but like my music at the time, I liked you too, but but I also listened to the Scorpions and Black Sabbath and Ozzy, and you know, there's ACDC. I mean, there's some you know, rock, man, just, you know. And so when, when Keith Green comes on, when Keith Green comes on, this Christian music, and, and it says, you know, he starts talking about, you know, nobody loves me like you, and it's this melodic piano music. And I'm, I'm just kind of snickering, but boy, all of a sudden the lyrics start taking hold of me. The lyrics just, I mean, just the things he's talking about. He's talking about a life that I could not relate to. I mean, I'm just like, I don't understand. I want what he has. Like, this guy's singing about a life, and he's saying that I can experience it, and he's talking about a soft heart. And, and at that point, I'm just like, life stinks, man. My parents had divorced, and I felt alone. I felt insecure. Life just is junk, you know. It's, I, don't want it, I don't want life like this. And so then to hear this Christian singer talking about life, being, it just, God was drawing me right? He was drawing me. 
I, I wasn't enticed by, you know, the, the great piano keyboard laying down a rift, you know. It was, it was the lyrics where God had a message that He was speaking to me. And then I, at the same time, I had another friend who was, who was also, God was drawing him. And, and see, listen, you can't lead people to Jesus Christ. The Father's going to do that. What you can do is come alongside of them and you bring them along as you continually go to the Father. And, and so God has the power. Jesus says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so that's what this commission is born out of. It's His authority that this takes place. So in, in a way, it's, it's different for Christians though. In a way, He says, now go and be rabbis. As I was a rabbi and you were my disciples, go and be rabbis. Make disciples. But it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different in this, that Jesus was the Son of God. So when they're following Him, they're seeing everything that's perfect. They're, they're modeling their life after Him, what He says, what He does. And so in this sense, Jesus is saying, go and teach others not to follow you, but to follow everything that I commanded you. Go and make followers of other nations, other people, so that they too might follow me as you follow me. So now we, we kind of got a conga line thing going, right? It's like, you're not in the front, Jesus is in the front, and you're following Jesus, and now somebody else is following you as you're following Jesus, and you're seeing this discipleship worked out. Go, Jesus says, and, and hear it in the right context, but go and be rabbis. Go and gather for yourself disciples who are going to follow you as you follow me. So don't get weird and start teaching your own stuff. Teach them to obey everything that I gave to you. But, but go and, and do that. So maybe you need to, you know, the person next to you, just let them know you're, you're meant to be a rabbi. You know, just, just let them know you're meant to be. <laughs> you feel a little uneasy with that, don't you? That's, here's the thing, though, is that we tend to think of discipleship in a class. This is something the church does. We have a class, and then the person goes through a six-week course or a 12-week course, depending on the theology of the church, and then eventually you come out, and then you're a disciple. You've been discipled because you went through the classes. Does that look like anything that Jesus did with the disciples? Jesus lived his life and had them follow around and experience. So how many of you, if you went to a discipleship class when you were coming along in Jesus, did that settle it for you? You said, perfect, I know exactly how to love my husband or my wife. That fixed it all. I'm exactly, no. Because you still had life to live. You had things you were experiencing and you needed somebody alongside of you to help disciple you what would Jesus do in this instance? What does the kingdom of God look like as I'm trying to finish school or decide whether I should even go on into college? Or what does it look like when I'm going through a broken relationship? My husband has uh, abandoned me. What does that look like in discipleship? My wife is going through uh, a, a tragic and it looks like her life is going to end. How do my, what does discipleship look like in those settings, right? What does it look like to follow Jesus? So we, we have to, you know, I'm just encouraging you, myself, us, to kind of say, yes, courses can help, books can help, but discipleship, when Jesus said, 
go and make disciples of all nations, his, his mindset wasn't go and gather people, bring them into a church building and have them go through a six weeks course so that then they can be discipled. He was saying, go and as you are followers, make followers. Go and get other followers, get people just like Andrew went and got his brother. Go get another follower who's then going to walk alongside of you as you follow me, right? So it's that reproducing. So this point is discipleship is a mature or maturing Christian who is gaining a following for Jesus. This is discipleship. Discipleship is a mature and and kind of parenthetically maturing because even if you get to the point where you say, well, I'm I'm pretty mature in Christ, you're, you're not done yet. You're still maturing. It's a mature or maturing Christian who is gaining a following for Jesus. So out of that, let me highlight, we, and I mentioned it earlier, we gain followers for Jesus. So unlike Jesus gaining his own disciples, who then he could say, do what I do, say what I say, I'm going to empower you to do this. None of us are in that same seat. I want to be very clear about that. I'm not saying we're little Jesuses or little gods who are then making our own disciples. (laughs) We follow the risen Christ And then we invite others to follow with us as we follow Him, okay? We obey Him. Uh, Our role is to bring along others and and let them observe our lives as we follow Him. Paul made this really clear. In in fact, he got after the church in Corinth. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, Each one of you says, he's, he's addressing the church in Corinth, Each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Verse 13, he asked them this question. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So Paul's addressing this division that had happened in the church because they said, oh, I, you know, I'm a disciple of Cephas, or I'm, I'm a disciple of Apollos. It's, it's kind of like, I like their teaching. I like, I'm pursuing after them. Or even Paul, you know, they said, I'm, I'm following Paul. I'm a disciple of Paul. And Paul says, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's, let's cut that out of the church right now. We're not followers of one another. We're disciples with one another. And you may have disciples and making disciples who are following you as you're following Christ. But none of us are baptized into the name of Andy. Whew. So while there may be a discipleship role I have in individuals' lives... What the church basically is, is a people who are following Christ and inviting others to follow along and follow them as they follow Christ. And that's the emphasis that Paul is saying. Let's not divide up the church of, and, and that's what was happening in Corinth. I've got this many followers. That guy has that many followers. And so making much of themselves. And Paul says, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> he says, none of us were baptized into Paul. None of you were forgiven of your sins through Paul. It's all through Jesus Christ. And so he redirects the conversation back to Christ and says, listen, we are all following. And so that's who you're called to disciple people to. Come along. Follow Jesus as I follow Jesus. Bring along somebody else. Follow me, but keep your eyes on Christ. And far too often in the church, we get disillusioned with people because they don't match up to with this we call it a pedestal sometimes, but this image of, I thought they were this, I thought they are there. You know what you should think of the people sitting around you? They are people capable of terrible sin. People who have 
been washed by the blood of Christ, if they've accepted Christ, they have been made clean by Him, but they are everyone, including myself, capable of terrible things. Except by the grace of God, and that I continue to disciple in Him, except by the grace of God, right? And so nobody should be elevated to this place of we should have accountability, we should have standards, absolutely. We should follow Scripture, but we shouldn't put somebody up and say, oh, that person could never do that. Yes, they could. Every individual that you know is capable of doing incredible things. Why? Because that that flesh isn't dead yet. There will come a day when it's done away with. But until that time, until we're face-to-face with Jesus, and it's only the Spirit that's alive and the, the new creation is alive, we are all capable of lying, of cheating, murder, all kinds of things. And that's why the Scripture teaches it. I know, I, I hope some of you aren't looking at me saying, wow, he's got a really dark view. And, he doesn't think very high. No, I think, I think wonderfully. I know so many of you personally and incredible character and your love for Jesus. But do you know why I know that? Because I know myself. I love Jesus with all my heart. But I know what I'm capable of because I've done it. I've done the very things that I said I would never do. And so we shouldn't lift people up. Standards, Yes. I hope you have the highest desire and expectation of integrity that I would live for Christ. But don't put me on a pedestal and say, oh, he's never capable of, yes, I am. And that's why it's important that I continue to disciple. That's why it's important that you continue to see in me the fruit of the Spirit, the life of the Spirit. And at the moment, you don't see out of your pastor or others in your life who have committed their life to Christ. The moment you don't see the life of Christ flowing out of them, you should begin to wonder, what's going on? I have questions. Because if he or she is discipling in Christ, I should see the life of Christ coming out of them. And so while we're capable, we also don't need to look at each other with kind of a jaded eye and lack of trust. Because you know what? We can trust Christ in one another. We can trust the Holy Spirit to continue to move us along in discipleship but what are we looking for then? We're, we're looking for people. We're looking for, within ourselves, this desire to continue to immerse ourselves in the life of Jesus. Am I spending time in the Word? Am I spending time in fellowship? Am I growing in the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things, are they, are they still showing up in my life? And if they are, and you see that in somebody you should have great confidence in the Holy Spirit within them and they're listening to the Holy Spirit. And you can trust what God is doing in their life. And, and they would be a person who's worthy to follow as they follow Christ and, and sit under their discipleship. And so again, I, I want to point that out because that's the other problem is if we get all jaded and we say, well, I can't trust that person or that person, that person doesn't match up, then all we do is we isolate ourselves and we're discipling alone because we don't trust anybody. What we want to do is we want to look around and say, do I see somebody who demonstrates the life of Christ that I could, I could learn from them and come alongside of them? Let me move on. So here's, here's a good question just in, in myself or for others. I challenge people, is this true of you? I challenge people to move from a declaration about Jesus 
into a discipling relationship with another Christian who will guide them in the Jesus way. Let me say that again. Do I challenge people to move from a declaration about Jesus and into a discipling relationship with another Christian who will guide them in the Jesus way? So, you would say, well, that's a great question for you, Pastor Andy, to ask yourself because you're over the church and that's what you should do. No, no, no. Remember, Jesus didn't give the Great Commission to a couple people who he thought were going to be church leaders. He gave it to his followers, of which if you say, I'm a Christian, then you're a follower. So he gave the Great Commission, this, this directive to us, uh, those who believe in, in Jesus Christ. And so when I come along and I see somebody, what's my, maybe you've heard this before, what do I want to see happen in that person's life? Do I want to see them make a decision, that initial, yes, I'm going to become a follower of Jesus, or do I want to see them become a disciple and move forward along in Jesus? So there's a difference. And and this, when I mentioned before, probably one of the the issues, the crises that we have in, in the modern church, in our culture, is that we have really targeted the decision. Targeted decision. And, and I'm not saying the decision is, is not important. The decision to follow Jesus is an important one. Raise your hand up if you want to follow Jesus. We do that within church. We'll say, yep, I want to follow Jesus. Yep. And then we have people come forward, and then we pray over them, and we give them resource, you know, or Different, different ways it happens. It might be an evangelistic outing. You know, anyone who wants to know Christ, you know, will, will say that during an a, a evangelistic meeting. And we have people make what happens. Raise your hand. Yes, that's what I want. I've made a decision. But what did we say makes the transformation in the long term is discipleship. The decision shows my intent and it invites the Holy Spirit in to where I can begin to experience transformation, but it doesn't move me along. I'm not somehow transported to a mature follower of Jesus. I'm just at a point of a person who's made a decision. And so now I need discipleship. I need, I need the following, which then transforms me. So there's that question, and I put it before you and as much as I put it before myself. Am I a person who will challenge people to move from a declaration about Jesus, he's Lord, he's Savior, into a discipling relationship with another Christian who will guide them in the way of Jesus? Do I, do I feel like that's too confrontational or do I feel like I'm actually going to help them out if I can ask them, hey, have you moved from that initial decision that you made into discipleship? Now, some of us are in that place this, this morning, and, and so when I talk about this, I'm not, please hear, I'm not shaming anybody. That's been probably, that's all you experienced because that's all the church or the Christians around you led you to was to make a decision, but then they didn't say, hey, now let's disciple. Otherwise, you would probably would have said, great, show me how, what, it, what does this look like? But this is kind of where it's, it's come. We have a lot of people who made decisions, but then didn't move forward. Then the next question would be, I challenge people to move from a personal discipleship into inviting another into seeing how I live the Jesus way. So let me give you this again. So here's what I do. I challenge people to move from a personal discipleship, right? I challenge them from making a decision or a personal discipleship 
into inviting another person into seeing how I live the Jesus way. In other words, I'm discipling. I'm discipling others. I'm inviting others to kind of follow along in, in my life. And so this last one, this one in particular, this is where most of us get stuck, is we have a personal faith with Jesus. If, we're, if we've made a decision for Christ, we love Him. We've maybe spent some time in classes. We've learned from the Scriptures. But our faith turned very quickly turned inward and very personal and very, very closed. And, and that's a cultural thing. Just so you know, that's, I'm not addressing something. You did something wrong intentionally. I'm saying that's a cultural thing. Uh, what, what's one of the first things that we do when we buy a piece of property? Put up a fence. Like, this is my property now, right? We put up a, sign, a fence and oftentimes a sign, no trespassing or private property. And then we say, this is mine. This is my piece of, of land. Um, when when uh, we moved into our property, um, you know, that's one of the things I checked was the fence. I wanted to make sure it was in good, good standing. It was holding, holding up. And, and uh, it's, it's not always like that when you go to other parts of the world. The, the land isn't quite sectioned off as divided. For one, the land isn't as commonly divided up among the populace. Uh, you may have a flat or a small space, but not as much land is available as much as we experience. So it's such a blessing that we get to own land. But it's telling to us that we mark it off. This is territory, right? And oftentimes our, our homes are often closed doors. So those of you who lived generations before, generations before, you can't live generations before, uh, years, grew up in a generation in which uh, that people spent more time on their patios, spent more time out in the front of their homes. They spent more time, life was just at a different pace in which you really intimately knew your neighbors. You knew who they were, who was directly around you. Um, my wife and I lived in a place for months before we really knew any of our neighbors when we were in Kansas City. And that was normal. Nobody was surprised by that. That's just how you, you pulled in, you did your... You lived there, and you pulled out, you did, your, uh, you did your work, or you went to school. That's, our, that's the culture in which we're swimming in. So when I talk about discipleship and bringing along somebody to observe you or live life with you as you live for Jesus, I'm talking about something that really stretches us. How many of you have a, a mini-me that shadows you everywhere around? Some of you have kids, right? And let me say, your, your kids, your, if you have uh, a sibling, if you have, um, uh, if you have grandkids, if you have children, uh, or if you're married, you have a spouse, those are your strongest discipling influences right there, first of all. Before you start thinking about, I'm going to disciple this neighbor or this other person around me, your strongest discipling influence is your immediate family. So you start there, you look there and say, how am I doing at discipling those that I actually live with and around or close proximity to. So this is, this is that challenge, personal discipleship. Am I living a life for Jesus that has me cloistered in and my, my area is so small that I don't let other people in? Or am I open up enough and intentional enough with the people around me that I'm saying, yeah, you can follow me as I follow Christ. You can see what it looks like when my wife and I get in an argument and how we resolve that. You, you kind of know what that looks like. You can see what it's like when I'm struggling with a work transition. I can, I'll walk you through that and let you know how I'm praying 
how I'm seeking God and counsel as I walk through that. I'll let you know what I'm reading in the Scriptures and what God is teaching me out of my, my reading with the Scriptures. Can I share with you that if we did that, that's transformational. That's what's transformational, is that when others get to experience and follow along with us following Jesus, that's more of the example of what Jesus did with His disciples. They got to see kingdom of life in real life application versus kingdom of life coming into a church building, going through six weeks of classes, and then saying we've discipled somebody. It's not that the classes are bad. It's, it's helpful to learn things. It's helpful to have new ideas and understanding, but it then has to be practiced out. It has to be applied in day-to-day life. So let me finish uh, with this, and I know I've, I've gone a little bit longer, but <clears throat> when I talk about the challenging issue within the church today is that if we want to see people experience the life of Christ, we have to have a foundation or a base of enough people to bring along those people who we want to see have an experience in Christ, right? So we say, do we have enough spiritually mature people or maturing people who could disciple somebody? Because what we want to reproduce is the life of Jesus in us, not just our own ideas and thoughts. So, are we maturing enough in Christ that we have something to reproduce in somebody to to allow them to to experience? So, let me give you the comparison and and then we'll be done. Spiritual and emotional infant. So, if you've never moved out of that place, this is some characteristics that somebody experiences when they first come to Christ or maybe have been stuck and haven't really grown into maturity in Christ. They would say things like this, I look for other people to take care of me emotionally and spiritually. I often have difficulty in describing and experiencing my feelings in healthy ways and rarely enter in the emotional world of others. I'm consistently driven by a need for instant gratification, often using others as objects to meet my needs. People sometimes perceive me as inconsiderate and insensitive. I'm uncomfortable with silence or being alone. When trials, hardships, or difficulties come, I want to quit God and the Christian life. I sometimes experience God at church and when I'm with other Christians, but rarely when I'm at work or at home. Those are indicators of somebody who's more in a Christian infancy. Life comes to them. They're not taking initiative in any of it. They're only taking what comes their way. And when hardships come, they want to abandon the faith because it didn't work out. How many times have I heard that? I, it just, it, I tried Christianity. It didn't work for me. It's, that's spiritual infancy, right? I, a hardship came, and I didn't have roots enough to understand what happens with God when difficulties come. In comparison, here's a spiritual and emotional adult. I respect and love others without having to change them or become judgmental. I value people for who they are, not for what they can give me or how they behave. I take responsibility for my own thoughts, feelings, goals, and actions. I can state my own beliefs and values to those who disagree with me without becoming adversarial or condescending. I'm able to accurately self-assess my limits, my strengths, and my weaknesses. I'm deeply convinced that I am absolutely loved by Christ, and as a result, I do not look for others to tell me I'm okay. I'm able to integrate doing for God and being with God. 
both. My Christian life has moved beyond simply serving Christ to loving Him and enjoying communion with Him. You can see the contrast just as I read those out. Somebody who is deeply immersed in the love of God and the experience of God and doesn't need all these outside, isn't pushed that way and another. And that's exactly, if we were to look at Timothy, the book of Timothy, that's exactly what he said. He said, listen, you need to grow up in Christ so that you're not tossed this way and that way, but all the different winds. He was speaking more doctrinally, but he's talking about all the influencers around you. If you're rooted in Christ, if you're a mature follower of Jesus, then you're able to withstand those things and you're able to bring a disciple along with you. and They're able to observe your life. Now, not all of us. In fact, I would dare say most of us are not at that last spot, fully mature follower of Jesus. How many of you listening to that said, wow, <laughs> that's a lot. I've got a ways to go in some of those. You know what? So does, so does your pastor. <laughs> I've got a ways to learn in some of those. But listen, here's the key is that we look at this and we say, am I maturing? Am I growing towards those things? Or am I stuck back in infancy? If you're stuck in infancy, you say, you know what? I need to get along somebody and disciple farther along in my walk with Jesus. If you're moving towards those things and you say, yeah, I've got a few of those things. I'm definitely seeing myself maturing. I'm growing. There's changes. There's things that need to happen. But I, I am growing and I'm continuing to press in. I, I'm not leaning on everybody for my spiritual walk. I want to ask you, are you bringing anybody along in that walk and in that experience? Because there's people who need you. There's people who need you to disciple and, and to follow along with you as you follow Jesus. Because you have a walk with Jesus that they need to experience as, as you lead them along into spiritual maturity. All right. Let's close this morning. We have a, a song we want to in our response time. And then also... Each Sunday, we have communion up front on the left and the right. And the reason we put that out there is our communion and, and receiving the bread and dipping it in, in the juice, it's our identification with Christ. We say, Lord, just as you, this morning a great way would be just saying, Lord, just as you discipled and you gave, poured your life out, so too I want to be one who disciples others. I don't want to get to my life with this bountiful life, this rich life that I've had in you, this experience that I've had in you, and it's all been spent on me. I want to be able to look around and see all the people who have been the beneficiaries of your life in me. How many of you would say that this morning, that, Lord, I just want others to experience the blessing of your life in me? That happens, and you say, I want a disciple. I need I need to look around me and see who God's put in my life that I can begin to disciple and invite them to come along. What does that look like? You know, maybe once or twice a week. I know we don't live like the days of Jesus where we just live in the same, same space and they get to experience everything. But, you know, you could maybe find a spot where they could join along with some things that you're doing. Maybe even come along for church so they can hear some of the things that you're, you're learning. Maybe a, 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 as you sit down for dinner sometime, they can experience your family life. Uh, maybe as you go out with some friends, they can experience how, what the nature of your relationships and your friends look like. So in all these different ways, you could disciple along, bring somebody along. There may be others of you this morning just say, you know, nobody ever discipled me. I made a decision for Jesus and then it just seemed like everybody kind of left me there to figure it out. 
You know, I want to encourage you. That's, there's no reason for you to feel shame if I was reading spiritual infancy and you said, I just feel stuck there. I don't, I don't know where to go forward. That's a point of just saying, now's the time. It, it may have been 10 years ago. It may have been 20 years ago. It may have even been 40 years ago. And you say, I've just felt stuck in this place. I don't want you to feel stuck anymore. I, want, I would invite you just to go back to our prayer team. What we're going to do is just encourage you both to receive prayer, but also just communicate with our prayer team that, hey, I, I'm really looking for somebody to disciple me and to help me along. And, and they'll share that information with us and with our staff. And, and we want to do our best to pair you up with somebody or maybe one or two people who could help disciple you along. This morning, if, if you heard this and you said, you know what, Pastor Andy, I'm not discipling anybody. My faith is pretty much being all spent on me. <laughs> and the blessing and the life that God has given me, it just begins and ends with me. And you just feel like, you know what, I'd really love to get into a discipling relationship. And nobody comes to mind, but I want to make myself available. For one, during our response time, I'd encourage you first, is there somebody that God is putting on your mind? This is somebody you can be discipling. Second, if nobody comes to mind, I'd invite you just to come forward and catch me after service, and I'll take down your name, and, and maybe there'll be somebody who will say, I want discipled, and we can pair you up, and, and you can begin to support that other person in that relationship. Would you join me in standing? As we close with this song, there, again, there's communion up front, identifying with Christ and His way of life. There's opportunity to worship and discern what the Holy Spirit is saying about where you're at in your own discipleship and where you're at in discipling others. And we have our prayer team who would love to partner with you and pray with you over that. Lord, we give you this time. Now, Holy Spirit, you've been doing your work. Now I just pray you would continue as we respond to you to now reply to what it is you're asking us to do. Begin all throughout this room. Lord, begin just putting people's names and faces in front of us as we think about discipleship. Who is it that we're supposed to disciple? And then give us the courage to step out and to contact them this week and just make that connection with them. Lord, others of us who recognize that we're spiritual infants and now's the time right now to begin that discipleship process. And so we're going to step out and go back to the prayer room and and ask for somebody to, to begin that discipling relationship. Lord, we give you this time. We give you ourselves most of all. Amen.